Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in, 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are live on a Monday, a special day, a holiday. Give us a call. Let's talk some sports. 718-664-9098. Like always, hit us up at rayandtaytoday.com. The email, rayandtaytoday at gmail.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You all know what it is. Also, back shows on iTunes, a lot of great listens. Ray, this is just a great day, a great show. And Ray and I, we have our own special history on Martin Luther, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And I want to take a second for us to just honor him, but Ray to tell us a great story 26 years ago today at MSG at, um, you know, on Martin Luther King Day two young men witnessed some great history. So first, man, I I just want to say I'm so thankful for Dr. King for for just who he was, what he attempted, the humble servant he was, but just trying to make it where we are all Americans, all human beings in the world, just love, honor, respect, peace, compassion. I mean, what else can you say? He's just a hero and a giant amongst men. A few thoughts from you, Ray, and then tell us, that wonderful story that changed history in the NBA forever. Yeah, so, you know, very few people get their birthday recognized as a holiday. And rightfully so, right, because, you know, there's a lot of people that did a lot of things in the world, and, you know, if you had everybody's birthday, you'd never (laughs) – every day would be a holiday, you know what I mean? But this one is particularly important, and I think it's time to step back and say – you know, and this is where sports really, hopefully, fits into the equation, the social equation, where yes. you know, just judge people for who they are and what they do, not the color of their skin, not anything beyond you know their actions and 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 what they do to you and how they present themselves and and treat people the way you want to be treated and don't come to the game with a bunch of preconceived notions, whether it's the you know the game on the court or the game of life. So. This is a this is a, a very important day, and I think the message needs to resonate throughout the world. It's just you know what, just treat people right, and people will treat you right. And you know, it doesn't matter the color of people's skin. Just we can all just get along and enjoy life, sports, any any pursuit that you want. And, and Dr. King had that message loud and clear. 
And the message we want to send, <laughs> so turning it back to sports, is that Ray and Tay were two young teenagers, and Tay's mom and dad back in the day had tickets to Madison Square Garden, so we were the two little rugrats that used to go into the garden and watch these games and give the Knicks heck. The GMs, the coaches, the visiting bench, the, anybody that would listen, we'd have something to say. So hopefully, and they heard being, <laughs> hopefully we're being a little more constructive with our analysis and putting it on the air so you can listen to it. But one MLK day, 26 years ago, I guess it was, Amazing. we were at Ray and Tay were at the Garden, and it was point one seconds left, I guess. Yeah, 0.1. <laughs> 0.1 seconds left, and pretty much you thought the game was over. And the Knicks got the ball to Trent Tucker. And they were down two, I believe. Uh, yeah. And it was against the Bulls. Yeah. And he hits the shot, and the Knicks win, and everybody goes crazy, including Ray and Jay. And <laughs> They since cha- they've since changed the rule, which I think makes sense. So it's point three now. But what an amazing ending to an amazing day and an amazing game. And Trent Tucker, I met him a few years ago. Talked to him about that, and we got a kick out of it. Uh, but yeah, great day, Martin Luther King. I think the the NBA does it right. They get five games. They they really do a nice tribute to him. And Ray and Tay were at the game that changed the rule in the NBA. A lot of fun. Yes, and we'll get to the NBA later because we got to start off with just our favorite, one of our favorite sports weekends, without a doubt, and for and for great reason. Um, the divisional round, it's it's just it's special. It, it, it's really special, and we had, and Ray tweeted this out. I mean, four of the closest games. You know, three of them were seven points and one was six-point margin. And we'll start off with Sunday, work our way around. Friday show, we'll predict the AFC and NFC championship. But let's kind of recap and review how we got to where we got um, from yesterday. And to me, it was about the quarterbacks and it was about injuries and about momentum and all of it. When we look at the Broncos and the Steelers, For me, I I must admit, I'm a bit heartbroken today, but I'm also proud of my team. I had a neighbor uh, compliment me and say, look, I I give you credit. You're out here wearing your Steelers shirt today after they lost. And I said, yeah, that's right. You know, that's the type of fan I am. Great season, great game, 23-16. And honestly, it comes down to Fitzgerald Toussaint, who played well, but having that turnover. I don't think, honestly – Manning, except for that final drive, was throwing the ball so great. Now, he had, what, six or seven drops from the receivers. It was very windy out there. Big Ben, the first play of the game, throws a bomb to Bryant, and they didn't connect on it, but he was showing everybody, look, I shot up the arm, and I'm here to go. And he played a pretty darn good game. I think at the end, I realized if we had Antonio Brown and or Brown Sugar D'Angelo Williams, let alone Ponte and Bell, that we'd be going to New England right now. And I'm okay with that, but we could have won this game. So that's hurtful. But I think for the way we were health-wise, you know, it just, it just was too much. Now, look, if AB comes back, we could have gone to New England and possibly beat them. 
But, you know, it's a lot of ifs. Give Denver's credit, defense, a lot of credit. I think their defense in the game, the running game stepped up when they had to in the second half. But, again, only two quarterbacks this season or two times this season did the Denver great defense and secondary give up over 300 yards passing to a team. And both times it was to the Pittsburgh Steelers and my guy, Big Ben. The first game, Ray, he put up the 380, which was just insane. And then in this game, what did he put up? Another three, I don't know. I didn't even get to look at it, but it, it just. 340 or something like that. 340. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, it's um, on to next season. I think Steeler fans, hold, you know, hold up your heads high. And just be proud of the fact that Big Ben showed up with 339 and a touchdown. It was hard to score. That defense is great. You know what I mean? They're, they're number one with sacks. They're, they're just they're great on every level. And that pass rush you saw got to Ben at the end. They couldn't even get off the last pass. So, hey, they, they're number one seed. We got one versus two in the AFC and one versus two in the NFC. Three number one picks as quarterbacks and a six rounder. You know that's great. So uh, you know I give Denver credit. What do you what do you think about the game? So I think Denver is lucky to be in the AFC Championship. Definitely. Their offense is a shell of what it used to be, and it's amazing to see the Denver defense carry that team. But we said this about midway through the season, that this is how it's going to have to be, and Peyton Manning is going to have to accept that. And I think with the injury and being out three weeks and and watching Brock Osweiler as the starter, I think he has accepted it. I think in his face you could tell the frustration on Peyton Manning that he cannot take over a game anymore and dominate. The only place where he can is with his mind. So with audibles, checking at the line of scrimmage, his physical tools are not there. Yeah. So he's definitely an asset, and I definitely think you need him. Uh, You know, Brock Osweiler is not beating the New England Patriots. So even though did he? (laughs) He did a couple of weeks back. I know. I was going to say, even though he did several weeks ago, but I I don't think that was no. I don't think. When the when the AFC championships on the line, and you talk about legacy, I mean, gosh, if 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 Tom Brady goes to his seventh Super Bowl and wins oh, his fifth, I, and Belichick wins his seventh, if you add the two defensive coordinators with the Giants, I mean, God, that uh, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that next week. We'll they, get to that anyway. But anyway, Denver. Bottom line is Denver earned home field advantage. I think home field advantage helped them. The D and the home field advantage and the and the fact that the Steelers were completely banged up, I think they squeak into the AFC championship. But that's why you tell these teams getting a bye in the in the first round is so important because you win one game yeah. and you're in the and you're in the AFC or NFC championship. It so getting a everything. one or a two seed is huge. You're right. Look at the difference. We had to play two games and in the first game A.B., Antonio Brown, got hurt, couldn't be there for week two in the playoffs. So that shows you an example. I'll say this, though, Ray. My boy Sammy Coast look good, man. Our future is bright. The Steelers are young, and we're coming. We're re- we rebuilt that defense. 
I like to it. And, and you saw Shazier was all over the place. Our linebackers, it's, it's going to be good. And now the NFC early game, a tale of two halves if we ever saw one. And both these teams are kind of young. Not so much the Carolina defense, but their offense. But I'll say this, Seattle, they'll be back. 31-24. I thought the way that Carolina started off this game, they were so dominating. And you hate to see them. And Rivera's got to stop doing this because you can't do this against the Cardinals if you get a big lead. You cannot take your foot off the pedal, especially against an explosive team like Arizona with all those receivers and John Brown, Michael Floyd, and Larry Fitz. We'll get to him in a minute. And I think Russell Wilson and the Seahawks showed the heart of a champion. And like they said, it's almost like, if we're being honest, they just ran out of time because they were making that comeback. They shut out the Panthers in the second half. Your boy, Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin, 8 for 82, was a hero. You didn't get much out of beast mode, but him and Curse, I got to say, 11 receptions for Curse, Ray, for 110. And two touchdowns, I mean, this kid is becoming, I hate to say it, a legit number one. And how about Tyler Lockett, who could be rookie of the year for three for 75 and then a touchdown and his special teams. But at the end of the day, you're quiet as kept. Jimmy Graham's coming back. I know, Jimmy Graham's coming back. Now, we don't know about Beast Mode coming back. Everybody was talking about that. I think he will. I don't see why they would cut him. There's no need to do it. It, That's just kind of talk. Even Everybody's if they, like, oh, don't, they don't, I don't even think they need him that much. I think Russell Wilson has really taken this team by the wings. And yeah. look at what he oh, did wow. with the purpose all in cutting He's not making no, no purpose. Much. I'm just saying, if if, yeah. if if you can't make the salary cap work, if you need to invest in the offensive line, if you need to do or whatever. Pay, pay Michael Bennett because Michael Bennett saying, but, but But props to Greg Olson. Props to Jonathan Stewart for coming back. People forget he, he missed the last three weeks. Hardly got to practice, and he came in, and, you know, he he just broke off a great run. And I think what we saw with Cam Newton and and the Cardinals have to really get ready for is that this – he's the ultimate weapon in the NFL right now. And and I I just have such respect for this dude. But Cam Newton as a quarterback, as a runner, he is the unstoppable force. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. He, he gets he threw some bullet passes. You know, it wasn't great, but 16 for 22, you can't complain. You know, only 161, but that defense is stingy. No, no interceptions and a touchdown. And at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for. And, and really what you want are no turnovers. So I just salute them. I think they're really hard to beat. Stewart gets 106. I think he's going to be better next week. Only 16 carries or 19 carries. Obviously, it was a big, you know, run that helped, you know, help them with that. But at the end of the day, you, you just, you, you just, it, this is a hard team to stop. Now look, Cam, Cameron um, Artis Payne, he can't be fumbling that ball. You know, he tried to give Seattle a little help there and he can't be doing that, but you know, and I tip my hat to Seattle, Ray. Russell Wilson, he does not have to hold his head down at all. This is a great team. And like everybody's talking about their demise and, um, you know, your boy, Sherman, said it great. It's like, uh, Russell Wilson's not 38. He's 25. Bobby Wagner, all of us, 25, 26. You know, we're, we're in our prime. We're not going anywhere, and he's right. No, they're, they're absolutely, absolutely the team the to team beat for the next, next five, five years. years. 
Yeah. So what do you think, man? It's too bad that Seattle was down 31 nothing because it was really almost a miracle ending. And think about this, if they had made the field goal at the end of regulation uh, end of the half, which 55 yarder that's tough. But on a fourth and five, they went for it. And you can't really blame them. Down 31 nothing. you don't know that you're going to put up such a great second half. But if they made one of those two field goals, or maybe even both, that fourth quarter, the last three, four minutes, would have taken on another, uh, you know, another twist. Because yeah. Carolina would have been even more <laughs> pressed. So, you know, you look at the score, and it's 31-24. But it, like you said, it was a tale of two halves. I, I just I wanted to see this game go tit for tat instead of being Carolina dominates one half, Seattle dominates the second half. So I actually, as a fan, and I have no rooting interest because I don't really care for either team, but I was a little frustrated in that. And so I was sad to see I was sad to see Seattle get down so big so early it just took the life out of the game. But to their credit, like you said, they came back in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and they made it a game, and it became entertaining. So Kudos to Carolina. Again, that's why you play all season, to get the first round by, to get Jonathan Stewart healthy, to have that game played at home. So I don't think they would have you know, gotten out to that 31 nothing lead if that game were in Seattle. And those two interceptions from Russell Wilson, those were really rough and hurt and him. Pick six by Keekley was just, oh, that was just yeah. a dagger. But that, that's and, then, what... and then Olsen's catch at the end of the first half to go up, instead of 24 uh, would have been 27. It became 31. So I was like, oh, that's four scores. Yeah, four scores. No, no, definitely. And I'll say this. Your boy, um, Kiwan Short, is one of the best defensive linemen in the game. Had, I think, 11 and a half sacks. He caused that second interception, or the first one, I can't remember. But he, I mean, he he is sort of underrated on this great defense because we talk about Norman and Keekly and, and Davis, who, you know, did his thing in his game. But up there in the defensive line, man, Kiwan Short is a monster. And we have to mention, unfortunately, and this gentleman could be a Hall of Famer. We did something on him uh, a couple months ago. Jared Allen, broken foot MRI reveals, is doubtful and probably will miss the NFC Championship. Oh, that's Matt's killer. really sad. A great uh, pass rusher and player his whole career, and he's just dying to get to a Super Bowl. And if they make it, I don't even know if he'll be able to play with a broken foot. So that's unfortunate. You hate to hear about these injuries, especially with the, you know, the veterans like that, that, you know, their dream is to just even play in the Super Bowl. So <clears throat> we wish him well. So let's go to Saturday night and probably the craziest game that – you know, it wasn't that great for, like, three quarters or whatever. But the last half of the fourth quarter, the last actual 35 minutes of television viewing was some of the most fascinating football that I think any sports fan or non-sports fan has ever seen. Because, honestly, we always say it. And, and, and you know, going into the weekend, we had, you know, different picks. I think you went two for two. I was three and one. But I had the Arizona, and you went with Rodgers and the Packers, and you know what? He almost brought it home for you. He is a bad man. And what he did in that final drive, the pass on 4th and 21 or 4th and 20 to Jeff Janis for 61 yards was just incredible. 
But then on top of it, the Hail Mary at the end, and he caught that over Peterson and another guy. And I'm just like, this kid, Jeff Janis, I thought from the beginning of the season, after you saw him in the last two weeks of preseason, that he would step up and replace Jordy Nelson. People were picking him up on fantasy football, and it just never came to fruition. Now, all of a sudden, you see this kid, he gets your seven for 145 and two touchdowns, and you're like, hello, where was this cat all season for the Packers? You know what I mean? And, of course, it happens because uh, Randall Cobb got hurt and Adams was not in the game at all, you know, was hurt prior to the game. But I just got to say, Chris and Ray, Rodgers is just amazing. I got to say, Mike McCarthy had some moments where I was like, ooh, Mike, you're killing me. And I want to ask you this. Would you have gone for two? Because you had the momentum, you're on the road. I kind of wonder so, so if that would have been a better play. Well, it's interesting well, that you say that because, because I think I that think I would have gone for two. But I was talked out of it. I don't want to say talked out of it. I still think I would have gone for two. But I understand Mike McCarthy because yeah. if you just scored, that means your team has crazy momentum. You're high as a kite, you're thinking that you're invincible and Aaron Rodgers is the man. So all you need to do is get the ball in overtime and you're just, you got it going on. Momentum is on your side. So I get it because you have Aaron Rodgers. If it was any other quarterback, I think you go for two because you're outmanned. They're theoretically the better defense. They're theoretically the better offense, especially with you know all your all your receivers going down, right? So to me, that's the perfect scenario. You're on the road. They're better on offense. They're better on defense. So you go for two. I I, I think you go for two. But I hear the other side of the argument. When Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you just don't want to lose it. On you know on going for two, you always want to give Aaron Rodgers a chance to you know a chance to prevail. And had they gotten, I bet you that if they if they got the coin flip, that they think they'd score a touchdown. Now would they? I don't know, but they had they would have had the confidence. So, I, but but still, having said all of that, I would go for two because you're on the road and 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 Arizona's the better team, and you struggled to tie the game up. It was yeah, a heroic effort just to do it. Now, look, Cardinals have got to play better. Now, Carson Palmer gets 300 and change yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. but he, Yeah, but 80 of it was garbage in overtime to Fitzgerald. Yes. I mean, not garbage, but he didn't earn it. You know no, what no, I mean? It was Fitzgerald Fitz, earning it. Fitz, eight for 176 and a touchdown. Michael Floyd gets two touchdowns on only three for 26. But you have David Johnson out of the backfield for six for 43. And then the speedster, John Brown, 5 for 82. And I'll say this, they've got some dynamic receivers. You're wondering where Josh Norman is going to go. Normally he doesn't go on the big receiver, so he might not be on Floyd. Maybe he'll be on Fitz or John Brown, smaller, you know, a little bit smaller guys, not as tall. But that's going to be an interesting matchup. And I got to tell you, the Cardinals, they need to find a running game. They could not run that ball at all. And it's not like the Packers. You know, your boy Daniels played good, but that defensive line is, you know, Peppers was, you know, getting some pass rush, but that's not a great run-stopping defensive line, and the Panthers are. 
And so 40, you know, 40 rushing yards on 19 attempts is not going to cut it next Sunday in Carolina. I will say that. But I'm happy for the Panthers. I mean, I'm happy for the Cardinals. You know, my oldest son is a Cardinal fan. And then my second oldest son is a Panthers fan. So we got some wild rooting interest this weekend in the Taylor household. So it's going to be fascinating. And I'm happy for, you got to be happy for Carson. You know, him and Cam, both number one picks. And they're going to face each other. And, uh, you know, it, it should be fun. And the Packers, look, they, they're going to retool. I think they just need to get healthy, and they'll probably be back. I probably would say you draft a little bit offensive line. They don't do free agency, so maybe offensive line, another corner maybe, or a safety. And uh, maybe you want to improve on Richard Rodgers at tight end. I don't know. But when Nelson gets back, Adams and Cobb and then Janice, that becomes a great four. You're concerned. I got to say one thing about the Packers, though. Uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers, as great as he is, I don't like his body language. No, no, he's a sport, poor sport. He's a, he's the a camera is all over him, and you know oh. it will be because he's Aaron Rodgers. But even for his own team, no, it's you almost bad. feel like I'm the best player on the field and nobody's playing at my level. Exactly. And I, I don't feel like you inspire. And, and you know what? You, you, Jordy Nelson went down, and Randall Cobb went down, and some of these guys are under achievement. These are the guys you have. I mean, these are the guys yeah, you go to battle Cam with. Newton doesn't make excuses, right? And yeah. Excuses, right? I, I, no, you're 100% right. And, and, and that is not a good look. It's not a good look for a leader. A great point. And, not, right. and, and I don't know if that will – Burn him one day because his play is so high caliber that nobody can challenge him. But that's not how you lead. You know, you look at him and he's always frustrated. He's always – yeah, and you can be frustrated. That's okay. But but I don't feel like, you know, people want to – I don't know. At some point, people kind of want to play Brady, with him. You feel like Brady, you feel like he's kind of a little bit more rah-rah cheering you on, pissed off, like, come on, let's do this, fellas. Even more like Des Bryant, where you're Rogers, you feel like he's a little sourpuss, like he's kind of complaining and crying a little bit. And he's done it in press conference. Let's be fair; he's kind of thrown guys under the bus, and he doesn't get ripped for it. And you're you're absolutely yeah, but right. I think he he combines the rah rah with the you know he'll get on you, but then he'll also slap you on the butt. And I feel like he does it in a way that's that's very you know machismo. But I just I look at Rogers, and he always looks salty. He always looks bitter, and, and, and I don't know how you're leading people like that. No, that's what you I'm know, saying. He's leading with his performance because his performance is exceptional. But right. I, I don't know. Well, let's talk about someone that, to me, is not only one of the greatest leaders in sports, one of the great sports stories coming from six-round pick from Michigan, changing his whole everything once he got a shot. And 302 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, and he's just throwing darts. And remember, with Julian Edelman back, and now they're 10-0 with him playing, and I thought that they would just be able to control this game so easily because of that, and they really did. I I never felt – KC had their moments. I never felt that they were really going to win this game. You know, you give them effort for trying their defense and and stuff like that. But Edelman and Gronk, even on that first drive, when they scored the way they did, honestly, I just said to myself, I was like, it's over. It's over already. Like, and 10, I said 11 receptions. I don't know if you remember last on the previous show Friday, he had 10 
for 100. I said, I think I said 11 for 113 or something or 106 and a touchdown or two. He didn't get any touchdowns, but you know, Gronk gives you the seven for 83 and two touchdowns. And the two of them are, are Superman and Batman. They're like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. I don't think you can really stop them. And Ray, I, I'm going to say something that I never wanted to say. I never wanted to admit, but oh, it was no. officially, oh, officially no. true. If he gets to one more Super Bowl, win or lose, and maybe I can just say it right now, Tom Brady is better than Joseph Seppi, better than Joe Montana, and Tom Brady is the best quarterback I've ever seen, and I think he's the best quarterback ever. I just can't – I can't fight it anymore. I cannot. He just – he does it all. I will say that you and I, we fought it, right? We, you know, we said uh, Peyton Manning's better it. in the regular season. Joe Montana's better in the postseason. Uh, but when you sprinkle in also that segment that we have, doing more with less. Yep. So, like you said, if he go definitely if he goes five and two. But if he goes four oh. and three, maybe. But five and think about if he goes five and two in Super Bowl. Now we're we're obviously rolling the clock forward three weeks, but his best player, offensive player, maybe is Gronkowski, and he's only had them him for the last two Super Bowls, and well two and one. He would have lost one and won two with him. And other than that, think about it. Randy Moss, he lost with Randy Moss. He didn't even win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. And then, and then the next best player is who? Troy Brown? I mean, Kevin Falk? You know, uh, uh, Corey Dillon? Uh, who is he playing with? And he uplifts. Deion Branch was pretty decent. Deion Branch did win the MVP. But, That's but he true. made him decent, but he was decent. He was a flash in the pan, exactly. He went to Seattle and didn't do anything after he left. So... Yeah, I, I, you know what? Nothing but total accolade. And remember how the season started. The season started with people thinking that Brady would get suspended four games, and you and I thought, oh, he just cut a deal and get suspended two games. No, he fought that tooth and nail and is playing in an AFC championship. So, wow, he, he's, he's, he's unbelievable, really. It's It's amazing. And, you know, Chandler Jones plays, the defense does their thing, Belichick retools and, and does whatever he needs to do. And um, I'll say this, because we, we got to knock Andy Reid and the Chiefs a little bit. Um, <clears throat> look, Macklin wasn't 100%. He played as long as he could. They, they were able to do what they could, and I think they showed themselves pretty well considering but that last drive, the lack of urgencies and, and not getting your plays in and a play calling, Andy Reid, you know, he had this issue at Philadelphia, and it's the West Coast language and verbiage. But to me, you've got to have built in your offensive system where the hurry up, it actually hurries up. They had eight or six out of their last eight plays where they took 25 seconds to get the play off. And to me, that's unacceptable and inexcusable. Like, I, I just can't even fathom that. And, you know, Alex Smith has got to wait for the calls. I mean, he couldn't just, you know, call in a play and they're trying to line up. That, that was embarrassing. I felt like it was a high school so, game. So, uh, you know, it's funny, but that happened in a few games this weekend. Even in, the, even in this last game, 
the Steeler game, the, it's amazing how long these people take to set up and run a play. And some of it, like you said, is the complexity of the offense. And some of it is that, ex- with the exception of maybe Peyton Manning, I feel like nobody calls their own plays. So back in the days, used to give the quarterback two plays, three plays, and they would call it on the field, and the, and the quarterback would audible or the quarterback would make improvised decisions on the field. But these guys are so programmed now that you're right. You're in a hurry-up offense, and it's taking you 20, 25 seconds. That's crazy. You lose the game like that. So the whole weekend you saw that. and, oh, and it, brutal. It, it's amazing. I don't know if this is the new age of football with the helmets and calling in the plays, and, and I feel like the quarterbacks don't get enough experience. And It's almost like bunting in baseball, right? <laughs> People can't bunt anymore. People can't bunt. So now quarterbacks can't run a two-minute offense without without the head coach, you know, whispering in their ear, or not whispering, but calling the plays. And so you feel bad that, because of the injuries, right? Jamal Charles, Macklin, you know, I mean, Alex Smith was, was definitely trying to put a yeoman's effort. No turnovers again, one touchdown, 243 yards. But, you know, I, I, look, you got to give them kudos. They, they tried, right? I just don't think they had enough in the holster, you know. You know, they should have never been there. But to their credit, they won 11 in a row. And you have to look at this in only a positive light for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they could have executed a little bit better down the stretch, but 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 New England was the better team. They weren't going to go into Foxborough and beat New England, right? So to go as far as they did to the very last day, they had a chance to win the division. Denver delivered the goods and won and ended up getting that, that second seed and the bye. But Kansas City was a hair away from winning the division after starting off 1-4 and four, and Jamal Charles, arguably the, 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 the best or, or one of the top three or four all-around running backs in the game, nothing but, but kudos for that team. I mean, they're, they're going to come back with that D strong. And if Macklin's healthy, Smith is healthy. I don't know about Charles. He keeps getting hurt. But you know what? They found Ware and West in the backfield. They've got a nice little rotation. Uh, Travis Kelsey's a killer. So they've got nothing to worry about in Kansas City. That's going to be a very nice team in the NFC, uh, AFC West next year. Oh, definitely. No, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it's one of those things where you – you feel like they're only a couple pieces away because the defense is so legit. Now they've got three running backs that can do things, and Kelsey is just coming on as a great tight end. And I think the Chiefs' future, you got to say, it's its really bright, you know? So, I, look, it was some great games. Friday, you know, we're working on a, a nice NFL guest for our audience. Hopefully that works out, and we will definitely preview the final four for the NFL. And I, I'm just, oh, I can't wait. It, it's just, this is what it's all about. If you, not, not talking about predictions, but what Super Bowl as a fan would be most entertaining for you to see? What do you think? You know, it sounds weird, but I wish this Bronco-Patriot game was a Super Bowl just because there's so many stories about the Brady Manning 17 you like that Brady Manning 17 so that so it's not going to be obviously uh the other one that might be interesting was especially because it hits home to me is I saw the Patriots Panthers 
2003. That was the Janet Jackson Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So that would be cool to have a rematch of that Super Bowl. That was played in Houston. This one will be played in your uh, out by you in San Francisco, a little farther west. Um, So that one would be interesting to me to see. Uh, Arizona, I know it hits home for you. I don't know. That's to me. That's just there's nothing compelling about them. I, I so I'd rather see. Uh, I'd rather see Carolina. What about Fitzgerald, though? But he's Fitzgerald? played in one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, playing oh, for you? another one, playing for another one would 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 be cool. I think. You know what? Ultimately, comes down to the four quarterbacks. They're very interesting stories. You know. Carson Palmer's never been to a Super Bowl. Cam yeah. Newton was written off up until this year or two years ago maybe with Calvin Benjamin, but 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 even this year people didn't take him seriously. So good for him to win a national championship in Auburn and then be playing in an NFC championship game. That's great. And of course the two AFC Super Bowls, uh, you know, the AFC Super Bowl representative, either Tom Brady will be in his 7th or Peyton Manning will be in his what would this be 4th uh, or 5th. He he lost no. Two. He's one and two. He's one and two, so this will be his fourth uh, Super Bowl. So either way, all four quarterbacks have an interesting story. Uh, I guess the one I, I, I'd most want to see is probably New England, Carolina. I also have a fear that Peyton Manning's arm at some point is going to give out on him, and I don't want to see it in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? No, I already saw him. like you saw that against Seattle. Like that was exactly. The- I saw him lay an egg in, against Seattle a couple years ago. So I, I just, for his own sake, I don't want to see him go out like that because I'm pretty certain that would be his last game. I mean, whatever game he loses, either this week or next week, or you know, in two weeks, uh, well, the Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you, I'd like to see – I kind of want to see Panthers against the Broncos. And just because I'm tired of the Patriots, but I think for legacy and history, I'd love to see Cameron Newton beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl for his first win. Because to me, that puts your first win at, at such a high mark with what Brady has and with the lack of what Cam has to get into a Super Bowl, win MVP, and then win Super Bowl MVP, that would be one of the great seasons of all time with the the offensive weaponry that he doesn't have, that he has to use. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, with me- Cam Newton, if Cam Newton wins, think about this. He would oh, yeah. win a Heisman, a national championship, and NF- and in the same season, right? Heisman, national championship, Super Bowl uh, uh, Super Bowl and a league MVP. I mean, who knows if well, he's not, a Super not Bowl Heisman MVP in too. the same season, but yeah, in his career. No, yeah. he won the Heisman and the national championship in the same season. Oh, you're saying in the okay for him doing that in the same season and then doing this? Yeah, oh, not literally in the same season, but I'm yeah, saying no, no, the no, Heisman no. and the national championship were the same season, and he'll win this year's MVP and maybe a Super Bowl and maybe a Super Bowl MVP. I think it'd be it's just legendary. That's that is. You know, and you know, give him credit, man. He's been kind of he's been ripped the majority of his career, and people talking about his body. I language. did, I yes. did. Oh, I, no, no. I, I'm, you, you're writing that "I'm sorry" letter, and yes, I am. We might, am. Need, to, we might need to hear it on Friday because the fact that I mean, honestly, after last season, and you're looking at this season, and Kelvin Benjamin being hurt from day one, and D'Angelo Williams, you know, going on to the Steelers. And you're looking at this team, and you're like Greg Olson, Devin Funches, and Ted Ginn Jr. and Cotchery. 
you're thinking, and your boy Corey Philly Brown, you're thinking Cam Newton six and ten, maybe eight and eight if they're lucky, everything breaks right. So go fifteen and one. And I think it's also time, Ray. Even us, we got to start tipping our hat to Ron Rivera. I mean, this isn't luck. This guy's a good coach. You know what I mean? This is good coaching, a good coaching job. And I think he's a great leader of men. Riverboat Ron, we always talk about that. But it's time to just say, you know what? He's a heck of a football coach, was a pretty good player. And you feel like he's doing it the Ditka and the Chicago Bear way. So that makes it all the more, you know, better. So, look, it's going to be fun. Friday, we'll talk about it. We got we to gotta close strong with some college hoops and some NBA. Ray, first, let's just go over the top 10. And then we got to talk about all these upsets that I want to ask you, you know, what, what you thought about. Oklahoma's one. Our Tar Heels woof, had a good game. They're number two. Kansas, three. Villanova, they outstretched Georgetown to be number four. Xavier, number five. West Virginia, those upset boys who get it done, number six. Maryland, my turbs drop after a loss and a win, you know, but it's okay. I, I, I'm not upset, but we're seven. Number eight, undefeated, and you question should they be higher, 17-0, and 0, S- Shmoo, SMU, Iowa, the giant killer in the Big Ten. Iowa's hot, not at rank number nine, and Texas, remember we talked about that, Texas A&M of the SEC is number 10. Of course, Michigan State's right there at, a, at 11, but they just lost to Wisconsin. Ray, a couple things. Should Maryland have dropped down all the way to seven? I mean, they only have two losses, you know. I don't think so. I think they got hit a little bit harder. In the other poll, in the coaches' poll, Maryland is fifth. Okay. Interestingly enough. So that's more where I saw them a little bit. And frankly, I mean, I, you know, you've got to talk momentum here, but I think Maryland's better better than Villanova. So I actually Definitely. wouldn't mind seeing Maryland fourth and not seventh. Um, I totally but, agree. But the good thing is they have plenty of basketball ahead of them. That's why, you know, we don't get too crazy in January about yeah. these polls. But what a week. Oklahoma starts out on that Monday night with a tough overtime loss in uh, in Kansas. And then they Lost. end the week with that close win against West Virginia and West Virginia is a pretty good team and you know beats one and almost beats two so West Virginia moves up from 11 to six Um, so so a lot of fun these games are pretty good and like you say Carolina they're the deepest team the most talented team the most McDonald's All-Americans so on paper Carolina should be number one as they were preseason and they're they're they'll be there in in March Oh, yeah, definitely. And, look, Maryland put a heroic whooping after they lost to, uh, what, Wisconsin. They came back and put it on Ohio State – or lost to Michigan, I'm sorry. They came back to beat Ohio State. They put up a hundy, 165. Michigan State loses to Wisconsin, um, you know, at at Wisconsin. I think – I sent you a little text about it, man. This week we got Iowa-Purdue, but the Big Ten, not only might they have, like – you know, six teams, I think, maybe in the top 25. But the Big Ten is by far, I think, the best conference in college basketball this year. And, well, not by far. Big 12 is right there. But they are tough, man. They are really tough. I mean, SEC has just got, you know, they got Kentucky, Texas A&M, and South Carolina. But even Purdue, you know, when they play Iowa, that's 22 against nine. You know, um, 
I'm just really impressed with, and you got to remember, Indiana jumped back in there at 25. So, you know, to be 15 and three. So when you look at the Big Ten with Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Iowa, this is a, a conference that they honestly could wind up with a team or two in the Final Four. And, you know, we got to talk about this kid, Chris Dunn, uh, for Providence, number uh, From Providence, yeah, he's nice. I mean, he's he's going to be your first-team All-America point guard. He he won them the game earlier in the week, and he's a tough two-way player. This kid this kid can play. They're saying he's a lottery pick projected to go ahead of Melo Trimbo at the point guard, the number one point guard. And Size, just, yeah. Just remember, this week, Providence plays Butler and Villanova. You are going to see – they're home against Butler and then at Villanova. This is going to be a great week. College basketball is heating up. And we got to say shame on the kid. Pac-12 did the right thing for the Oregon State kid. You cannot trip a referee. What was that about anyway, Ray? What did they give him? I didn't see that. What did they uh, give him? I, How I many games? I want to say three, but I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but he was suspended. I don't That's know. That's ludicrous. That, that, you know, come on. You know, it's just. You got Duke Syracuse tonight. We got a Oh, here it is. He got suspended for four games. Good. That's okay, that's that's games. about right. I like that's that. That's about right. Now Duke's got to wake up. They're playing no defense. We love Brandon Ingram and the offense. Plumlee's getting better. Grayson Allen's a nut, like you said. But you know they should be Syracuse tonight. And then you wonder this weekend against at NC State because NC State gave the Tar Heels a, a run and the Barber kid is pretty nice. You think Duke's in any not in any trouble, but are they just not? It's not a, a great Krzyzewski team. Would you agree with that? It's not, but you know what? He's won with teams that aren't great before, too. Like, think about that team in 2010 that beat Butler. Yeah, they weren't very nice. good, you know? Yeah, and right. so I look at this team, and this kid, Brandon Ingram, is nice. Yeah. And you know he can play. Grayson Allen, to me, is like Austin Rivers. But Austin Rivers had a bad you know, season at Duke because he was just a freshman nut. And now Grayson Allen, and they got this other kid, the lefty, the freshman, uh, he's also very good and very offensive-minded. So I think they really, really miss Emil Jefferson because they get no rebounds. Um, and, and the Plumley kid's a senior, but he's not as good as his brothers. So they oh, really yeah. lack defensive rebounding. They get no offensive rebounds, right? So they lack defensive rebound. They lack defensive intensity. So it's a run-and-gun Krzyzewski team until Jefferson comes back and until they're able to reestablish a defensive identity. They're kind of skinny. So they're light in the butt. run-and-gun Krzyzewski team. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of really, really light in the butt. But, um, look, it's going to be a great week. I think it's going to be a great tournament. But it's time for us to close talking, talking, talking what we, what we love to talk about, because right now, I think you're starting to see the beginning really of the NBA season. It's about to go prime time Saturday night, Cleveland against Chicago. We'll be talking about that on our Friday show and some huge games today and a game on right now, and then some more this week. So let's do it. Now time for NBA Talk. Ray and Tay.
Oh, I love it. Can we just give props to the NBA? I don't know if they did this or this was just lucky, but they got two two overtime games today, and they got some crazy performance. The Knicks, and did you see Kemba Walker? Break break down what he did, because Kemba, you know, you you had to give him an apology letter a couple years ago, but Kemba is really – you know, that Charlotte team, is they, they're still, you know, what, 12, 13 C. They got some ways to go, but they, um, they, they're ready. They, they're ready to do some things if they can get it together. I like Kemba. Kemba dropped 52. Oof. Second highest year in the NBA behind in Charlotte two-overtime win. But, wow, wow good for – and mm. our Knicks mm. – so, so I yeah, got to give Kemba credit because he, you know, he he's an offensive juggernaut. I tell you what, when Jordan drafted him, I was like, what is he doing? Uh, but he's played much better than than many other draft picks, right? The, the Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who was the number two overall pick, but um, they're saying he might come back. He might make it back before the end of the season with that surgery, and we thought he might be out for the season. So yeah, I'm, uh, he's a role player, but that's that's for another day. Um, when you're drafted that high, you need to do more than be a role player. But kudos to him. Kudos to my man, my Mello. Not Mello Trimble, but Carmelo Anthony. The defense is so Mello playing D. In as much as Carmelo plays D. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Knicks, that, that was a big win, right? I mean, what was it, uh, one – 119-113, my man, my mellow, in second in two overtimes, hits the big three, and uh, you know what, this Sixer team, man, I, but I keep telling people, I'm like, look, as bad as they are, I want to be the GM of the Sixers. Yeah. I want to be the GM of the Sixers. They have potential, and they're, they'll be all right in a few years once they lock in their, you know, their their eight, their eight-man rotation. But well, how about only Noel playing good? Noel yep. played good, and our guy Porzingis with another double double. Right Mar- um, now, keep in mind, Melo had that big three, but he only had ni- he had nineteen points on twenty eight shots. He was w- he was seven for twenty eight. He did put a- he did have seven rebounds, seven assists, but that was a bad shooting game. For for example, Kristaps Porzingis had sixteen points on eleven shots, so much more efficient to get his sixteen and twelve. So. Look, I think at the end of the day, I, I like this front court of Melo and Chris Dapps, and I think that starting maybe next year, this is going to start to – he's going to have to hand the torch over to Chris Dapps a little bit. That's going to be his team. Melo is probably in the prime of his career, but about to hit the downside of his career. And this kid, Porzingis, is, is 19 years old. So he's the heir apparent. Definitely, and I think he's a, a reason why we might be able to recruit and, and, and even get some free agents. Like we spoke with Anthony Donahue when he was on a show that, you know, Durant, is at least New York's in the running. Now, props to the NBA for all, like you said, on MLK Day, they go to the games. They have the game in Memphis, obviously, where, you know, he was gunned down. And Conley came back. The Grizzlies, you know, we, we never talk about him on a show. We always talk about him in a playoffs, but – this team, if you get Jeff Green and you can get some offense on the wing, the way that Conley and, and you know, Zebo and Gasol, they, they took care of the Pelicans. Poor Pelicans. Like, like you said, that we both agreed, that rough start and all the injuries, they'll just never be able to make it back. And you hope maybe they get a great lottery pick 
that can really help them to develop. Maybe Simmons and Davis would be the future if they, gosh, if they ever got the number wow. one. That would be the oh, best boy. for the NBA, wouldn't it? But Memphis wins 101-99. The Bulls beat the hot Pistons because we got to talk about what the Pistons did to the Warriors who got their fourth loss the other night. The Pistons smacked up the Warriors, Ray. And uh, today, Chicago, they were like, all right, we're going to take care of you. It great game, though. One oh, what was it? One, one eleven to to, to one one oh one. But that that was definitely a, a big win for Chicago. We got to mention this is the start of without Noah. Noah, Joakim Noah's done for the season. What did you think about that when you heard that news? Does that just basically solidify for you that the Cavs are going to come out of the East again? Yeah, I thought they were going to come out of the East before, but this really does solidify it. Even though. He really wasn't playing well. He was taken out of the starting lineup, and they never quite figured out how to play Gibson, Noah, and, uh, of course, you know, their best front court player now. Gasol got busy today. Pau Gasol, exactly. So I think Gibson and and, uh, Miritic play better with Gasol than Noah does. So that would have been – but you're – Noah's an asset, especially in the playoffs, right? He'll give you defense. He'll give you rebounding. So they're definitely worse off without Noah. But I feel like now in that Freddie Hoiberg system, they can be more free and they can score more and they can have more production from the front court. So right now in a second part two of the finals rematch, the Warriors are kind of putting it on Cleveland early on, 26-16, uh, 26-17. Are you concerned? Is is this a big deal if Cleveland loses this game? I think mentally for me it kind of is. They need to win with Kyrie is playing better now and they're at home. Or do you feel like the Warriors, after that Piston loss, and they feel the Spurs, look, Spurs are 36-6, and six, the Warriors are 37-4. and four. And we know the Spurs have the best point differential at like 14 in terms of their margin of victory. The Spurs are right on the Warriors' neck. Do you feel like the Warriors just – feel more pressure to win this game at Cleveland, or, or what is it? Well, I think the Warriors are on a mission. Like you said, they lost to Detroit and Milwaukee this year, and they're probably thinking, what? These East Coast teams that are not even above 500. Um, <laughs> Harrison Harrison Barnes is back, though, so we'll see how. Good pick up in fantasy basketball. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how the rotation now works with Harrison in there. Uh, Draymond Green probably takes a little bit of a step back with his statistics and his, you know, push for potential MVP. Uh, but the Warriors are fine. I agree with you that the Cavs probably need to win one of these marquee games just because, except for LeBron, if you think about it, nobody's really been in these battles, right? Kevin Love was in a terrible you know, terrible Minnesota team. And Kyrie Irving was on terrible Cleveland teams. So of their big three, nobody really has, you know, the deep playoff experience and coming back next year and then being the hunted. So they need to win a marquee game or two, whether it's against the San Antonio or a, or a Golden State. I mean, obviously they'll play Chicago more, but I, I think they have to win against one of the – against these elite Western Conference teams, maybe the the, the Thunder – yeah. No, you, you would you would hope that they would, and you would hope that they, they should. The Clippers have been hot, Ray. They've been, you know, running off, what, 10, 11 in a row. Uh, they're starting to play better. I'm kind of bummed out by Houston because, Ray, they, they should not even be – they're 22 and 20. 
they're the seventh seed, and I don't even know if they deserve that. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs in the West just because, you know, Utah's there. But, but I mean, Dwight Howard's playing well in the last eight or nine games. I think he's averaging like 19 and 13. They have so much talent. Oh, they have it, why shouldn't they be in the playoffs? Look, you saw the last – look, Cleveland on a back-to-back after losing the Spurs on ESPN on Friday night put it on them, and it was almost embarrassing. Even the announcers were like, what is this? And they were wearing the old uh, Steve Francis Rockets jerseys. It was a mess. And to me, I just – I don't know from night to night what you're going to get from them. Look, they, they, they barely have a better record than the Knicks. And honestly, they'll make the playoffs just because Utah has been banged up and they're in the eighth spot. And, you know, Portland and Sacramento are still trying to work things out. But um, – and big win by Portland today. But quite as kept, though. They're one back in the loss column from being in the fifth seed, Minnesota, uh, where the Memphis Grizzlies are right now. So – I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's theirs to lose. But, you know, to me, they have the roster. That's the thing. I don't know if Bickerstaff can get it out of them because we, we know Kevin McHale hit the wall. And what's up with Ty Lawson? Like, like, he – sometimes he doesn't even – like, that's what I'm saying. Like, from night to night, right, like, you, you don't want them on your fantasy basketball team and daily fantasy players. You can't even – you know, you can only really take uh, Harden. James or, Harden, yeah. Like some nice Terrence Jones can't get off the bench because he's just playing so poorly. And, you know, Clint Capella or this one or that one. I mean, they're like, they're completely an enigma. It's really hard to watch. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And again, I don't think it's not, that's what bothers you when it's not talent. I mean, you couldn't build a more talented roster than they have. I mean, yeah, sure, you can go get yourself Michael Jordan, but but the point is their roster is really, really solid. So you almost have to think, except for this chemistry issue, which is kind of nebulous, but you got to give Daryl Morey and those guys credit. They, they have very much talent at every position. They're just not playing well. So and, right. and they're they on their second coach. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's, it's surprising, and I'll tell you this. You wonder is if OKC can get the others, you know what you're going to get from Ibaka sort of defensively and you need some points. But if they can get Waiters and Cantor and some of the other bench players, if they can get the others to really start to, you know, mentally play the defense and, and, and chip in offensively where they need to, I still believe OKC is not a good matchup for the Spurs or the Warriors. I believe both those teams could struggle with an athletic, healthy OKC. In a yeah, game. especially the Spurs. I feel like other than Kawhi Leonard, nobody on that Spurs team is particularly athletic. Even LaMarcus Aldridge isn't, you know, he's a great player, but he's not, you know, particularly athletic. He's, He's good. He's not below average. I think the rest of that team is average or below average athletically. And the Thunder are the one team that can expose that. No, you're right. It's uh, oof. I tell you, man, I, I this is uh, what we wanted last year, I think we're going to get this year. Because I think once Blake Griffin comes back, I'm not sure when that is, and he's healthy, I think the Western playoffs this year will be what we wanted it to be last year, and we didn't get it last year because of all the injuries. So you just pray. Everybody stay healthy, 
and let us have a classic, you know, Western playoffs. You know, the East will be good until it gets to, you know, Cleveland. But, you know, the other teams will battle each other. And, you know, maybe Toronto's the second best now. We'll see. But then Cleveland against the survivor of the West, that is going to be a classic, especially if Cleveland has their big three, which we hope that we get to see. Yeah, absolutely. So we got some basketball to watch today. Let's keep it going. I mean, we've got to watch this this Warrior Cavs game, and then we've got the late on, game. We've got the, the the Clippers and the Rockets. So yeah. still some MLK basketball to watch. Great show. We've got a great sports week coming up. On Friday, we'll come and, and preview. We might have a special guest, but we're definitely going to preview the AFC and NFC championship. And you know that that always hurts my heart because that means uh, basically football season is over. Um, I know. But you, it's you been got a good to one. talk about it. It's been, oh, and wait, wait, and Mike Malarkey, official Tennessee Titans head coach. So they got him, and the GM said, Ray, the number one pick is up for trade. Bring in the offers. Which makes okay. sense. They need to improve the roster. They need more than the number one. So I agree. Trade it away and build up that team. Help help Mariota in multiple ways. So let's see who uh, who really wants the number one. Joey Bosa, yeah. Bosa or who's bold enough to go go up there and take a quarterback. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We love the NFL draft talk. We'll try to get some guests for that as well, too. So thank you for listening. Go out there and, and rest in peace. Oh, another. I said death comes in threes. The Eagles uh, singer, songwriter, forgot the guy's name. From the Eagles just passed away at the age of 69, Ray. So that's the third one. Natalie Cole, the Eagles guy, and David Bowie. So, you know, ah, just rest in peace. The Eagles are great, great group, great lyrics, songs, everything. So happy MLK Day. We're thankful, and we just thank you for Glenn Fry. Yeah, yeah, I was just yes, Glenn Fry. Yeah. Glenn Fry, sixty-seven. He died. Legend, yeah. sixty-seven. Woof. Love Glenn Fry. Great boy. Yeah, just, just a shame. And uh, definitely the Eagles. Even Tribe Called Quest listens to the Eagles. <laughs> Q-tip music. Uh-huh. You know. So, but uh, again, great sports day. Great sports week. We'll see you on Friday. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.